Uh, you still want to stay informed, but to just sit down and watch the it's just not. And, and if something, and this was someone, people always come back and say, how do you stay informed or up to the news? You have to watch this. If it's that important, I guarantee you, someone will tell you. This is Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals, the show that teaches you how to build your passive streams of income through real estate investing, advanced personal finance, and the mindset to help you get there. Today, our guest is Sterling White. Sterling came from a very low income background, and he's going to teach you what he used to overcome those hurdles and become a successful real estate investor with now over 600 doors. He's been very successful. We're going to teach you about if you're in that type of situation or a, a situation that you don't want to be in, what you can learn that will help you overcome that and get to the next level and get to that financial situation that you're really needing to achieve. We're also going to talk about heavy lift value add investing. Sterling's in the middle of a big one right now. So we're going to talk about that the process and the, and the strategies that you can use to get into heavy lift value add multifamily because value add multifamily is a great way to make a significant amount of money in multifamily, but you have to do it right. Sterling's doing it right. He's going to teach you how he's doing it. Once again, thank you for tuning in to Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals. Our guest is Sterling White. Without further ado, here we go with Sterling White. Sterling, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. Everyone, stay on, stay tuned. About to drop some golden nuggets. Ah. All right, man. <laughs> I like that energy. I like that energy. And to everybody listening, if you're listening early in the morning, we are recording early in the morning. It is just a little bit past 7 a.m. Sterling's already been up, already got his workout in, so he's working hard. Sterling, could you tell the people about what you do in real estate and what you're working so hard toward? Gosh, I, I would say long-term goal, and this is a, a little bit of a, a segue, is just being that ideal, and this is big picture, that ideal for individuals that came from my environment, had a tough upbringing, maybe we'll get that to that at a later point, and to, to be the ideal for those individuals that they don't have to take the path that majority take, which is not so good prison, death, uh, as a, a worst case, that, hey, you can take this path and uh, essentially achieve or work towards being successful in life. That's great. I I really appreciate that message. I like that message. I'm, I'm happy you're out there spreading it. What are you doing in real estate right now? Uh, what asset class do you specialize in? You know, let's, let's get, put you in a, a real estate box here. Yeah. So at this moment, primary focus is income producing multifamily uh, C-class assets that are in B minus to B neighborhoods. There has to be some type of uh, value add component. And of course, value add is thrown around so quite loosely, but uh, has to be some heavy lifting in terms of renovations and also being able to push up those rents anywhere between about uh, 75 to uh, $100 per unit. And focus is apartments 75 to 160 units. That's great. So there are a few things in here that I definitely like to dig in with you. Um, first, I, I want to start with this concept of 
value add. I saw this on a, a bigger pockets thread recently. It's it's on my mind. I mean, I do value add multifamily, but people are very much questioning, you know, is this really adding value? Are you just going in and changing the backsplash in the kitchen and saying I can get another 150 bucks a month? And you're doing heavy lift. So can you help us understand what is a heavy lift value add? What do you, things are you doing to these properties? You know, let's understand what a true value add multifamily syndication is here. Yeah. So on the most recent one that was acquired, which was 156 units within the last week, total purchase price was just under six and a half million, but it needs $2 million in terms of renovations. So the operator owned it for just over 20 years and it's outdated. Wow. So the roofs needed to be addressed, but also the interiors were all outdated. And that was uh, through comparables. It needs uh, vinyl plank flooring, uh, backsplash, update the appliances. It's whitewashed throughout as far as the paint scheme. Uh, so going to implement a two-tone paint, uh, gray on the base and then white on the trim. So just little things like that. And then also uh, resurfacing, restriping and seal coating the the parking lot. So it needs quite a bit of uh, work. Mm, okay, and, okay. So you're updating it, you're gonna make it look like the people who own it actually care about it. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, they own it free and clear essentially. So they're, they're making money. The little amount of work that they can do to essentially get by because they're making money. And then uh, on top of that, I was gonna mention one more thing. I forgot what I was going to mention the last thing. Oh, the expenses. The expenses are uh, closer to 65 to 70%. So that's another wow. uh, value add that can be added because that type of asset should be around 50 to 55% expense ratio. So what are some of the larger expenses that you're going to be eliminating? Or are you, by raising the rents, by raising that top line revenue, are you thereby reducing the expense ratio? I mean, what's out of whack in terms of the expenses? Uh, the utilities is one big one. There is a leak somewhere that we're going to have to figure out. I'd have to think of the the per unit basis, but there is definitely a leak to where the, the water is abnormally higher than it's supposed to be. And then also the staffing that's on site as well. There's multiple maintenance techs that are around. I believe there's about four to five when there really should be about two and depending on the, I would say at the beginning, about three. So those are little things like that that can be cut just that we saw initially, along with some other just inefficient ways they're going about uh, the on the management side. Nice. So, I, you know, I know some folks, uh, I'm thinking about a, a case where a friend, I suppose, of, of mine bought a, I think a 60 unit in, in my city and the they repaired the water meter after they acquired it, it turned out that it was an enormous amount of uh, waste going on. And I'm, I'm not sure, but it was just like leaking water everywhere. <laughs> By fixing that, the expenses went down and they got an additional effective, I think $30,000 worth of equity just by fixing the water meter and changing, fixing the expenses. Uh, it's a, a great one. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Another thing I'd like to touch on with you is you mentioned having that attitude or having that mentality of coming from a, a to 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 paraphrase uh, um a, i don't know less great background i don't know what you want to say but troubled 
not necessarily trouble. It was just, uh, okay, so I was born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana, and the not-so-good parts of the city where you want to walk your dog at night or even during the day. So grew up on welfare, food stamps, subsidized housing, and actually one of the uh, projects that I lived in, it was cages on the outside of the the windows. Now, I remember there was every other wow. day where had a single mother, twin brother, we're fraternal, that we would have to get down on the ground because there was just gunshots that was outside. And that was pretty common in the type of environment. But I was always a good kid. And unfortunately, my brother ended up taking the not so good path. And I decided to take another uh, shift. And that's why I always want to be that message, because I feel people who are in that environment, that's all that they know, unfortunately. Wow. Well, that is definitely your your powerful example. And it's interesting that you know, you and your twin brother, you know, you've taken different, different paths and you're going to have different results out of that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So what do you think makes the, the difference? I mean, you said you were always a good kid. Is it, is it, you know, daily decisions? Is it mindset? Is it the five people you're around? You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with to borrow that quote. I mean, what do you think if, if somebody is in maybe, a uh, some, uh, a, a, I don't know. I, that, that type word, of environment that type of environment mm-hmm. that is not maybe conducive to their their future growth mm-hmm. how can they start to change their their environment so that they can put themselves on another trajectory yeah that that is a phenomenal question and i i feel in the way it does definitely come down to the people you surround yourself with which is that that quote or i believe it's zig ziglar you're the composite of the five people you have in your circle So that is a complete game changer. And luckily, my mother actually moved my brother and I out from the inner city to the suburbs. Uh, We were still in lower income housing, but my brother ended up going back to that uh, environment that we were previously in while I stayed where uh, that where I was essentially I was totally different in terms of not only schooling, but also demographic as well, too. And so with that is it that it came down to exactly what you were mentioning, the people that I ended up surrounding myself with. And then as I uh, became more involved on the self-improvement side, I started feeding my mind positivity, meaning listening. And this was in my early 20s, late teens, listening to Earl Nightingale. So dating myself a little bit and uh, the Tony Robbins, the Zig Ziglar, Zig Ziglar, the Jim Romes and started uh, cutting out the news. So that is huge in, in terms of just getting those weeds out. Nice. I like that a lot. And Earl Nightingale, I was just listening to that. Uh, one of his, you know, larger ones on YouTube uh, before we logged in today. So no, oh, that, wow. there's the strangest secret. There's, he's or... still relevant. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. The strangest secret. I just have it like bookmarked on. <laughs> it's my, so uh, true. Yeah, I, I, I love the whole mindset thing. And people say it's about 90% mindset and then the remaining is mechanics. That's so true, just from my personal uh, perspective. Well, you've been there and, and done that. So we <laughs> might as well, uh, we'd be wise to take your advice, I suppose. And I think the advice of uh, eliminating the news is great. I mean, I, in addition to that, well, I think that's great advice. My kind of interpretation of that is on Facebook. Anytime somebody posts anything about politics, 
unfollowed forever. Yeah. I don't need your energy. <laughs> uh, you still want to stay informed, but to just sit down and watch the new, it's just not. And, and if something, and this was someone, people always come back and say, how do you stay informed or up to the news? You have to watch is If it's that important, I guarantee you, someone will tell you. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to be too far out of the loop. Somebody's going to grab you and try to talk to you about it, whatever it is. Or uh, what is it? Uh, significant change in uh, taxes for real estate. Someone's going to mention my CPA or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're going to let you know or, you know, some tragedy or whatever. You're unfortunately going to find out about those things. Yeah. Now, another shifting back to the value add multifamily, you know, you have these heavy lift opportunities where you're bringing in a, a significant amount of capital to make these changes in terms of mechanics of figuring out what's involved in the heavy lift and what that's all going to cost and going to look like. I mean, how do you handle that to you know, quantify the cost of these things, figure out the timeline and, you know, the nuts and bolts of actually executing on a heavy lift yeah. Uh, yeah, value. so that's why it's always good to have a team because myself, I'm not perfect by any means. I still make mistakes to this day. And having that team, so my partner is someone who complements my weaknesses. So he's more of operations behind the scenes, running the numbers. Uh, so it comes down to, and he also has construction background along with mine, but we have a construction manager within our property management company. So with that is, well, we will go into each individual unit and determine what the cost is. And so that's from previous experience of other deals that have uh, similar assets and we put in the similar type of renovations. And then also the larger big ticket items, such as a roof, the uh, parking lot, and let's say the landscape, maybe not necessarily landscaping or the signage, we'll get those quoted out. So at the end of the day, we can provide that to our investor partners or and even ourselves and say, okay, this is what we're buying it at. This is what we're pushing the rents up to. This is the renovations that we're putting into it. And then that's when we can reverse engineer and say, this is going to be our return on investment. Hmm. Okay. So having that team in place so they can be having the experts there so they can provide you all of this information that you don't know and you can leverage their experience. Yeah, and exactly. Take it from there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so how do you handle building that team and meeting those people? I mean, it, you know, if we're say we're starting from approximately nothing, you know, we're busy professionals. We don't have any investing, real estate investing. So mm -hmm. we're starting to build that team. What do you think about that? How can we get started? Building so that team? leveraging others teams, meaning that when I first got started, I was able to find a mentor and I used the bartering system. I started working for him or you could say with him for completely free. And he already had the team and the infrastructure. So when I went and bought that first single family house that had the cash, had the contractors that were already in place that could do the flooring, that could do the paint. So that was one way to essentially just leverage others to bring onto your team and maybe do some type of exchange, whether that's a, a equity or a commission once you close the deal to be able to tap into their network uh, to, to where you don't have to exactly build it all the way from scratch. You made the investment in terms of your time. You're more or less getting paid mm -hmm. in experience to yeah, exactly. work for somebody mm -hmm. else. Correct. Now that's a tough investment to make because you know, we we need to eat, we need to get paid, and in, in like 
you know, you can only give away so much for free. I mean, how did you decide to make that investment uh, of your time to get paid for free? I mean, you were, were you just so dedicated to being successful that you do? Yeah, that, that's a great point. And I was in a situation where I had very low overhead, if not any overhead. So I was actually living at a friend's in their den. So I didn't have to pay any rent from that. And then I was in my early 20s. So I was on a very shoestring budget. I was in a, a perfect position and I gave up to be able to be in that uh, spot. And what I did was I would work during the day uh, with, I would say it would be about eight to 10 hours with my mentor. And then during the night, I had an Amazon business that I was buying, like, let's say Elsa dolls, Disney dolls. And things of that, anything I get my hands on uh, legally, of course, <laughs> and I would take <laughs> that and I would flip it on Amazon. And that was a way for me to earn money to cover the little overhead that I had. So some people may not be able to have that type of setup that I had, but it's always just determining what areas you're weak in and finding a solution. Nice. I like that. I mean, I think you... You leverage the yes. advantages that you had because some people would be inclined to say, I'm living in somebody's den. I don't have money coming in. How am I going to invest? In <laughs> exactly. You said this is perfect. That's hilarious. Yes, no that expenses. Is, exactly. Or they could use the ladder and say, I've got a full time job. There's no way I could do. So, yeah, it, it's just how you it, it comes back to the mindset element. It always comes back to that. How you think about things. How can I turn this into my advantage? And and the the Amazon store thing is a, a a great thing that we should I should try to cover on the show at some point because people a lot of these fulfilled by Amazon businesses. I mean, some people are making millions. And you don't of have dollars to hold the product; from, you just ship you know, it all into Amazon. Person. They take their cut, of course, but you don't have to hold it. Someone places the order; it just ships right from their warehouse. Completely scalable. You don't have to stick it in a box, label the box, take the box. No, you have to do any of that crap. They handle all of it. It's crazy. That's a that's a great thing we'll have to we'll have to touch on at some point on the show. But um, how do you apply? I mean, you, you've obviously you've had this. I don't know if it's obvious, but you've had this mindset thing. You've been working on it for years, and it's been an advantage to you. And you took that from ghetto living in just you know, ghetto low cost yes. situation. I was going. Oh, oh for okay. In the yeah, den. yeah. I do a well, that's the beginning. Hey, that's the beginning. But the yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The Either way, yeah. <laughs> the beginning. Well, however you like it. You took it from that situation to where you are today, and how are you applying that? I'm going to get it done mindset to your investments today. How are you using leveraging that to go mm -hmm. from? I think you said 600 units to I don't know 6,000. Yeah, it, it just comes down to so. When made the shift from single family investing to multifamily was going the route of brokers, brokers going go on that side is they would send over deals that did not completely work. So instead of just putting my hands in my lap and saying, OK, it's it's not going to be the, the right time to invest and uh, I, I should just wait for a correction to happen. I decided, OK, well, let me go ahead and go direct to the owners is a, is a way. So that came down to the mindset as well on that side. You know, single families, people might be holding it in their own name. So it's relatively easy-ish to, to target them. But in multifamily, what are you doing there, you know, targeting, getting those off-market deals? I mean, that's 
off yeah, market. So into the whole a lot trail. of those are owned in the LLC. So you have to take additional step to skip trace the LLC to find who the owner is and then get their contact information. But then after that, that's when you just pick up the phone and do a standard cold call. Some people just get a little bit of screamish when they're thinking of cold call. <laughs> But it just comes down to uh, what are your goals and what are you working towards? And that can be your big motivator. So what is your big motivator? So we can get, you know, an impression of the scale of what is the why, you know, need to be. What's a why that, I don't know, yeah, what's a why one that, that works? gets you, you know, up in the morning. So the big one is just being a message for those, uh, the idea for those kids that are in that tough environment that I grew up in. Hey, you don't have to take this not so good path. Uh, you can take this one that I took. Uh, that's one. And then the other, which I I don't think about so much, but I'm thinking about even more and more is mortality at the end of the day. I mean, I'm going to die at some point in life. So why not just go for it while I'm on this planet? Nice. I like that. I like that mentality. Um, it, you know, it reminds me of the quote <laughs> from the last season of Game of Thrones, which was terrible. But, you know. The God of death always wins, but we have to fight him anyway or something like that. Um, so, yeah, you're you're going to die someday. You might as well just go for it. I like that a lot. All right. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Sterling, we got three questions we ask every guest at the end of the show. Are you ready? Yes, indeed. Let's roll. <laughs> All right, man. I like that energy. First one. What is the best investment? that you've ever made in myself how so like what is there something in particular that comes to mind training in sales every day i feel that that has helped me not only in business but also relationships just in general because i believe at some capacity you're either doing the selling or you're being sold prime example with my seven-year-old angel i've got a little girl is i have to seller on why she doesn't want to eat a full tub of ice cream <laughs> on her side can tell me why i should eat all the full tub of ice cream yeah and she could start crying and that sales tactics that so yeah yeah just shifting the mindset on that uh, essentially <laughs> okay okay i like that maybe i need you to sell me on why i shouldn't eat a, a full tub of ice cream but uh <laughs> Because you, you're going to die someday. But I, I definitely appreciate that. Yeah, so I go to sales conferences. I uh, log into a university that's on a day-to-day -day basis that goes over how to make a phone call, how to do negotiations, understanding a uh, buyer, putting together qualifying questions. So all, the, the, all those elements. Do you have any particular you know, sales uh, thought leader or anything like that that you prefer to follow over the others love them or hate them grant cardone <laughs> oh, nice. yeah i thought maybe <laughs> he has been impactful for me i mean i have a few of his audio books and uh they're definitely very helpful especially when you know i'm going to be spending a long time in the car and i've got a big meeting when i get to where i'm going really gets you fired up and, and motivated oh for sure things. and also included in uh is the follow-up i never realized how important the follow-up is so when going direct to owner, a lot of, well, they're not raising their hand saying, yes, I'm ready to sell. So a lot of times they're not interested. And then it takes multiple follow-ups to be in the right position because it comes down to timing uh, to where when they are interested, you're the one that's going to be their go-to. 
So how do you stay disciplined in handling your follow-up so you make sure it gets done and you don't, you know, I don't know, forget about it and just move on to the next thing? Yeah, so once I have a solid a lead, I know that the owner is mom and pop. They're running the property into the ground. I'll do various ways, such as I'll send a Rubik's Cube, especially if they end up going ghost. I'll send a Rubik's Cube with a small note that says, hey, let's figure this out. So that's <laughs> so that's one. And then I'll, I, if I happen to be by their property, I'll take out my phone and do a selfie video and say, hey, uh, hey, Jim, love how you take care of the property. If you ever change your mind and consider selling, I'm still right here and we'll uh, have no issues with closing. And then also is being a value to in the follow up and say, hey, have you considered doing a 1031 exchange? Because the thing is, if you keep calling and calling and saying, hey, now are you interested in selling? Now are you interested? They're going to want to not talk to you and block you. So I'm sure there's most likely people on here who have had a salesperson keep hounding them. And if they're creative about hounding them, you wouldn't even know. So that's what it comes down mm. to, being creative with the follow-up. Nice. I like that. And you you said you the the study, the program that you're working on as you thinking about these different follow-up strategies and planning these things. So it's obviously very well thought through. Yeah, exactly. And then one thing that you can do is send a small shoe uh, that says with a note that says, hey, looking to get my foot in the door. So just <laughs> not a size 15, of course. You could do that, but... <laughs> The, the the bigger shoe is maybe a little more aggressive, a little, you know, I don't know, baby shoe or something <laughs> like that. Is, is, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I like that. I like that. Just think as many of as many um, object related puns as you possibly can and just start sending those yeah, objects. Just stay place. top of mind. That's what it always comes down to for me personally. That's how I always viewed it. Nice. I like that. On the other side of that investment coin, we had the best investment you've ever made. The other side is the worst investment. What is the worst investment that you've ever made? Okay. The worst investment I made was one of the uh, apartments that I ended up acquiring. It was the worst investment in terms of uh, was still in the learning process with structuring the deal. So ended up deciding that uh, not raising enough money to take care of the repairs and thought that it could be taken out of cash flow. So ended up selling uh, that in particular asset. So that was the worst investment in terms of it was a learning lesson. But looking back is still able, glad to 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 not take a haircut on it. Yeah, that's important. Being sufficiently capitalized is one of the biggest mistakes that especially a lot of flippers make uh, is not having enough money in the bank to complete whatever repairs they have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Great lesson. My favorite question at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson that you've learned in business and investing? Sales. <laughs> Always goes back to that. Can you dig a little bit deeper into that? I mean, we, we talked about uh, investing in yourself uh, being the best investment that you've made and, and all the follow-up and everything. How has it benefited you in your investing career to build your sales skills and your sales engine, all that. Yeah, I, I would say sales and marketing, but we'll just stick on the sales side. And this just goes back to uh, even when you're buying deals, you still are selling yourself to the, the seller 
who is selling you the property. So that's one aspect. And then also when you're bringing on investor partners to invest with you alongside your deals, you're still selling them as well on why you would be the right fit for them. So it always just for myself is it just comes down to sales. And if someone uh, determines that they don't want to invest alongside you, they essentially sold themselves and sold you why you would not be a good fit. Okay. I like that. I mean, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, we need to sell ourselves to to go to your uh, relevant example from this morning. You need to sell yourself on why you should get up early, get that workout done before hopping on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was thinking about that the whole yeah. time while I was on my run. It's like, what am I going to say? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Nice. Well, yeah, sales skills are very important, especially people who don't necessarily identify as salespeople think about sales as a dirty word, whereas at the in reality, everything, there's always sales involved in everything. It's just reality. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. We think about sales in terms of the pushy used car sales guy, which is no fun. We've all had that experience and nobody likes it. Not even salespeople. <laughs> I, I was uh, I was just uh, getting one of my shoes repaired and the guy was a very pushy, like uh, used car. So and I did not like the experience at all. I was like, uh, it's, it was cringeworthy for sure. <laughs> <laughs> cringeworthy. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Nobody likes feeling like they're being sold. Everybody wants to be taken care of. And that's really what you're doing. You're selling people. You're helping take exactly. care of their needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Sterling, thank you for everything today. If people want to learn more about what you're doing, where can they get in touch with you? Uh, what's you know, your website, I don't know, Instagram, yeah, whatever you can you just do. visit uh, my website at sterlingwhiteofficial.com. And my Instagram is sterlingwhiteofficial. So if you happen to have any questions, don't hesitate to slide into the DM and ask away. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, Thanks for that once again. And thank you for joining us. Thanks for sharing your story. It's a very powerful story that you have coming from, uh, uh, to use your word, a ghetto background into a successful real estate investing uh, career and experience. So thank you. Yeah, definitely had humble beginnings for sure. <laughs> nice. Well, you're, you've done very well for yourself. Thank you for sharing that. And if anybody wants to get in touch, the links in your email and, and your Instagram will be in the show notes in case you missed it. So once again, thank you. Have a great one, everyone. Keep pushing. All right. Keep pushing. I like that. I like that. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. A very big help. Helps other people learn about the show. Certainly much appreciated. If you know anyone that could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and get them involved. We will help grow their passive streams of income. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you have a great day and a great rest of your week, and we will talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.